and welcome to another episode of Broadcast His Love. This is a podcast where we talk about what life looks like when we decrease our name and increase God's name. And today we have on one of my friends, Krista Germay. She's the co-founder of Living Stones, which is pronounced in Creole as Village Ensemble. I hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> hey, Krista. She's coming to us from Haiti, you guys. Jeremy Haiti. Hey, Krista. Hey guys, how you doing? Doing good. How are you? Like more importantly, seriously, how are you? Um, yeah, we are. We're good here. We're good. We're hot. Um, yes. It has been in the hundreds um, the last few days and very humid. In the last week or so, we actually had the Sahara dust cover here in Haiti too, which made it even heavier. It was kind of like a wet, hot blanket heavy blanket just kind of sitting on you you literally sat and sweat but that has lifted the last few days and um and so it it kind of actually feels like a relief so we're we're doing good wow i'm curious to know what the air looked like because when i saw pictures of like of what it looked like on a map it looked like dust but what did it look like in real life yeah i have some pictures i can send your way but it was um it was you Normally on a normal day from our home, we can see way far out in the ocean, um, almost like a 180 view of the ocean here. And when we would stand on our roof and look out with the dust cover, you could hardly even see that there was an ocean surrounding us. It was that, it was that foggy. It just looked like a fog that had really settled in and didn't go anywhere for probably about two or three days. Two or three days. I mean, I'm sure when you were in the midst of that, you were like, when are we going to see, you know, they see like the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, when is this going to end? How would you know in Haiti when it's going to end? Like you don't have a meteorologist coming on at 7 a.m. live from New York. You don't have an Al Roker in Jeremy Haiti. Like, how did you know that it was going to end? We, um, we followed on the internet the best we could what was going on in the beginning we were like oh wow it's a really foggy day we had no clue about the dust cover because we only have one news channel american news channel here in haiti where i live and it's cnn and they weren't talking about it at all like they were talking about the stuff going on in the united states so we had no clue until the second day and then we realized this isn't normal we should probably check it out and and we saw that it was the dust cover so we just kind of held on and and decided it wasn't going to be here forever. And the third day, the wind started to blow more, and um and we started to realize that it would probably move soon. Wow. Okay. All of this in the midst of a pandemic. Okay. So yeah. how now people who have been following you guys since you guys did the first podcast. This is the second time you've been on broadcast is love, and we're so thankful. We love you guys. You guys are doing the Lord's work down there. I just, I want people to know, like, you guys are listening to someone who, oh, wait, we need to, we need to, I, I need to ask you where you're from because I'm about to give away all the beans. Do you mind <laughs> diving in? And before we talk about coronavirus, can you tell us where you're from and how you got to Haiti? Sure. I am, I was born in Hershey, Pennsylvania, um, and then moved to Richmond, Virginia. So I basically say that I'm from Richmond, Virginia, because I was raised there since I was a tiny little girl. And, um, I actually, around the age of 19, saw some children from Haiti on the internet and I thought they were from Africa and I did some research and then saw Haiti and I had actually wasn't really sure where Haiti was embarrassingly enough. And I thought it was in Africa. 
So I prayed for a long time that God would send me to Haiti. Um, I learned more about Haiti and I prayed probably for about 10 years that God would send me to Haiti. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to go again and again and again, and the doors would keep shutting in my face. There was sicknesses, cholera came and I had an orphanage trip planned to Haiti and then they canceled the trip. And then, um, just a few times I tried to come and it never worked. And then about two months after the earthquake, I finally went on my first trip to Haiti. Um, and fell in love, fell in love with the country, came back and I have been here for eight years. Um, Wow. Yeah. And you're married to a Haitian. I'm married to a Haitian and we actually (laughs) celebrated our six year anniversary yesterday. So we've been married for six years. Congratulations. Oh, I can't imagine to celebrate on a Sunday. I hope it was a relaxing day. We had a really great time. We went with some of our super close friends and had a party on the beach down here. Um, awesome. And it was just a really, yeah, it was a really sweet day. That's awesome. Well, and two, for everyone to get context, like about just like going down to the beach, I just wish, could you, I don't know how you can do this, but could you paint the picture for people who are listening to what Jeremy Haiti is like? I mean, it's not like, okay, you do get in a car and drive, but it's different. Like, you, I mean, people load up in the back of a truck and you just like mm-hmm. do with what you've got and you just go like here in America, you know, I mean, you know, you're an American, you jump in the car, you've got all these bags, you've got just chaos going on. The kids are going crazy and you've got a cooler of all this stuff and you're bringing down the house to the beach, you know, tell us a little yeah. bit about, I know this is like, um, you know, maybe you can glorify God on the way to the beach, but you know, this <laughs> podcast is talking about decreasing our name, but it's interesting to know what the difference is between going to the beach in Haiti compared to here. So what's going to the beach like in Haiti? Yeah, we, um, we actually, um, didn't have a cooler. So we used one of those Rubbermaid like bins and we put big blocks of ice in there and then put our drinks in there and carried that thing down. And our town just recently within the last maybe year um, or two got a pizza place. So we ordered six pizzas oh, and our little Rubbermaid, Rubbermaid cooler of our drinks. And, and we brought some napkins and went to the beach. So we probably had, I don't know, maybe 12 people down there. Um, wow. and, and, you know, it's a tiny little secluded beach. So it's beautiful, gorgeous in the middle of some cliffs and, um, we just kind of spread out and did our thing. Everybody ate pizza and drank some drinks and the kids came and played with their sand toys. And we were there for about five hours. Surprisingly. That's awesome. Well, that's great because every time we go to the beach, we don't even stay long enough to get a sunburn. So yeah. <laughs> they're like, we're hot. Let's go back. <laughs> that's so great. Yeah. Well, and it's so beautiful there. So I encourage you guys, if you want to see what it looks like to follow you guys on Instagram and, and you get, you're going to share that at the end, but um, I do want to ask you guys, how's it going with the pandemic and coronavirus in Haiti? Yeah, things um, have been really interesting here because we are in Jeremy, which is a tiny town on the southern, southwestern tip of Haiti. And we feel almost like um, like from the south, maybe in the States or from a, uh, we're, we're just kind of isolated, right? We're isolated right. from the capital. The capital is Port-au-Prince here in Haiti, and the cases of um, the disease in the capital are skyrocketing. Mm. Um, and but here in Jeremy, they've remained relatively low, and we are pretty 
pretty cut off from the capital, but there is public transportation that goes back and forth. And we do have, um, I would say probably four friends whose mothers or fathers have passed away in the last two weeks. And it's not confirmed that it's, it's not confirmed that it's the pandemic, but um, it's a possibility for sure. So we have seen a little bit of an uptick in um, the older population passing away. Are you there? Hear me? It might go in and out for sure. That's okay. Um, before you tell, just tell everyone what's going on around you, why, why the call might drop in and out, like, so people can have a little grace, I guess, is the word, like, while we're listening. Tell us what's going on around you. Yeah, I, we just, we, um, I get the spot that we're in doesn't have amazing signal. Um, so that might, might be why the call's going in and out. We're in an area that's newly developed here in Jeremy. And so sometimes we have issues with signal. And we also have men in our yard that are building things and they're using rock. So they're banging. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but oh, they're, bre- they're breaking, they're like breaking giant rocks with, um, with like a hammer and a little anvil thing. And so <laughs> that's what they're doing in our yard right now. You're like, yay. <laughs> Thank you for like hours or is it just been for like, oh, this- all day long. All oh day long. my gosh. Okay. <laughs> all the stay at home moms right now are like holding their head thinking, I don't know how, and you're like smiling when you're talking. So, wow, we love you even more. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. Well, my son is sleeping through it too. I have a two-year-old and he's still asleep. So, oh, that, yes, you have two kids, two kids. Yes, and your little daughter is so cute. I know I met your daughter. She's so cute. Yeah. She's getting to be a big girl now. She's four. Four. That's crazy. We met her when she was one, I think, right? Probably. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Well, anyway. Okay. Sorry to cut you off again, but. Yes. Continue where you were about the pandemic and coronavirus in Haiti. Yes. So we have, um, we have some friends, some fairly close friends here, including one of our employees that we are pretty sure has had coronavirus, but again, it's, um, very difficult to test in our city. So they just, you know, presented with symptoms of fever, can't taste things, um, or smell things. And that's really about it. The majority of the people that we know personally here in Haiti, they've had a fever for two or three days, um, can't taste or smell anything. And then, and then they recover. Um, so I don't know anyone personally yet here who has experienced a high degree of, of symptoms. Okay. Well, praise God. Yeah. Which is great. But I do know in the capital that we are connected with a uh, medical evac company that does some medical evacs for children here in, in our city for us. And they have evacuated, I want to say at least 50 people to the States that have COVID DSNF. So, or sorry, COVID-19. That's, right. I just spoke Creole for you guys. <laughs> That's okay. We love it. It's educate us. <laughs> yeah. DSNF 19 in yeah. Creole. Um, so I know that there is stuff happening in the capital. We're just not seeing it as much where we are. Good. Praise God. That's awesome. I love to hear that. And you all have been fighting this from the beginning with masks and you guys have been training um, your neighbors and your friends about how to make masks. And the way you guys do that down there is so cool. It's so, oh man, it's like the foundations of like building masks. Like you think, oh, uh, all the women are out there sewing masks together. And y'all are like, nah, the guys are out here making masks. Like we're going to be ready for this out front. Yeah, we have, um, by God's grace, we have made over 4,000 masks for our community. Wow. And um, 
at the moment, we actually just started a contract last week to make 5,000 more. So yes. um, we're on, we're on, um, we'll, we'll probably have about 10,000 masks by the time this is finished. Oh my goodness. And are people wearing them out? Cause your market is very open. Like there's fish just laying out, you know, to purchase different kind of meats to purchase and all that. So, um, are people wearing masks at the market and through town and stuff? Yeah, you, um, I would say probably about 75% of people have masks on a lot of okay. businesses, um, or the grocery stores and such won't let you in unless you have a mask. Okay. So a good amount of the population has masks. Now, I personally have not been in the market, the open air market that you just spoke of. I haven't been in there since the sickness started in Jeremy. Um, Yeah, but I have sent staff in there and they say that it's like 50-50. There's some people that have it and some that don't, but the people are starting to put pressure on the sellers saying that they won't buy from them unless they have a mask. So it's kind of you know, by the people, peer pressure to, to put a mask on. Oh yeah. If someone, I mean, I've been to the market before and it's very like fast paced, like get your stuff, let's go. And if I was buying something from someone and they're like, get your mask on, I'd be like, you got it. Like I would cut my t-shirt and make a mask right there on the spot. Um, exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm so excited to hear that it's not too bad. COVID-19 is not too bad. And um, also the pizza place that, I mean, that's, you guys, like you are listening. I mean, having pizza is a luxury now. Like personally made pizza from a business that they wouldn't have to make at the house is such a luxury down there. So, um, so cool. Um, I did want to ask you too, I have been reading the news about you guys and my husband's been really plugged in. We uh, visited you guys down there about three years ago, you know, mm-hmm. when your daughter was around one. And when we were down there, we we're driving from Port-au-Prince to Jeremy, which is about six to seven hours, right? To get to Jeremy mm-hmm. in the car. And when we were on our way there, there was a semi-truck um, that was just blocking the road. And there was some kind of unrest going on at the moment. I think it was with politics or something like that. Um, anyway, it was a scary moment for us. Um, the guy who I was with, Mark Stockland, he was like, Um, do not, you know, keep your phone up or anything like that. Like, let's just get through here. And we did, and we were safe and everything. And there were, you know, there were people there with machine guns and, um, I mean, they didn't shoot by any means, (laughs) but it just to paint the picture for you guys listening that when unrest happens in Haiti, it's not like America. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess it is kind of, we've been blocking the roads with protesting. (laughs) What am I thinking? but I just know from that experience that it wouldn't be what we would face here in America. So with that to say, just how is the unrest going with Jeremy or just what can you tell us from your perspective? No, I mean, there's really not that much right now here in um, Jeremy. There's a little bit of unrest in the capital, but in the last, like there was about, I want to say three, three months ago, it got really bad, but the food insecurity has been rising for the last, I want to say almost a year. Um, the value of the of the good has gone pretty low here in okay. last year, and the American dollar has skyrocketed. So we um, we here can exchange one American dollar, and we get 112 goods. Okay. And um, I would say probably five months ago we could get 80 goods. So the dollar has has increased and the good has just decreased or how the exchange rate works has just made it really hard um for 
the population. So okay. they don't usually use American dollars here, but all of the big businesses that buy in bulk and deliver food in bulk or motorcycles and and goods like that, they all buy in the American dollar and then exchange it into goods. So it's definitely really hard for the majority of the population to afford food and to be able to buy food in the market. The prices had to skyrocket because of that. Okay. And we also are um, on the tail end of a five, five to six month drought that has been really serious here. It was literally no rain for almost five months here in Jeremy. What? Um, and it is also bean bean harvest season and so beans um rice and beans is is the staple food here in haiti and people eat it pretty much almost every single day and beans are extremely hard to find right now and they're very expensive um, because of the drought the harvest that usually happens right around this time did not happen so it's almost like people here don't really know what to eat or if they are eating it's um it's spaghetti white rice it's just very difficult to find beans we um we can find them and buy them but they are about two dollars a cup two dollars us a cup um mm. which is about the size of like a, a can of green beans in the states if you buy canned vegetables it's about that size that's not so enough for a family though of, yeah, it's not enough for a family, for sure. Wow. Krista, I had um, no idea. Most Asian families eat one large meal a day. There is food here aside from beans, but the prices have just shot up so much that it's, I mean, we feel the weight of that ourselves as an American Haitian mixed family. Um, oh. And obviously we are financially stable Right. here and and our neighbors they our neighbors just are bearing the the weight of that it's definitely been harder we yeah. um we we had we were sitting with our staff our haitian staff the other day at the table having dinner with them and our director um whose name is kekelo looked around the table and he said i personally know families who's who go two or three days without food um, and he, as the Haitian, said, I have never known that before in, in my own country, and now I see it. And, mm -hmm. and that just, when we heard that, I mean, it just like, it almost slaps you into be, to have neighbors that are in need. And, and sometimes I feel like we almost get hardened to that yes. sometimes because we live in it all the time and we see it a lot. But that just was a wake-up call for sure, like a cup of cold water poured on you and was like, we're in the middle of a crisis right now. If families go two to three days without food, that is not okay oh um, it's not okay so, we have to take a stand we have to do something how do we help yeah absolutely we um we are trying our best to right now we we definitely are not um living here full-time and those kind of things we don't always like to just give food give food give food it um we we want to empower people and um and help them to be able to to provide for themselves it's much better that way and it gives them a sense of ownership and in the way that they do and right. especially for husbands providing for their own house and those kind of things right now in the midst of this crisis it's i mean we're, we're putting together as many food packs as we can and handing it out to as many people as we can and i can't even explain to you the gratitude and the joy that we have just from giving people a sack of rice a bag of beans again the beans are what everybody is like really excited about we have personally given um, food packs to all of our staff 
and to all of the families that are in our formula program, which is eight families. Um, so we have given out um, 12, actually I think 13, 13 food packs um, so far. And we have another 10 that we are doing this week. And then we have over 100 that we'll, we will be putting together in the next two weeks to distribute to our community. So we're in the midst of fundraising with a lo another local um, organization here. We partner with them. My husband helps direct their staff and all of their activities, and we are partnered with them okay. because they have a local church in the area, and we work really closely with them. So we're partnering with them to get out, get these food packs organized, fundraised for, and sent out to the people via the church. That's good. Well, and people who are listening, if you feel led to help, um, I want to help. I, I mean, how, how do we help? What can we do? There, um, yeah, the food packs are $30 US and that includes a 50 pound bag of rice. It includes 18 cups of beans, mm. 18 cups of beans. It includes a 29 pack of spaghetti and two gallons of oil. So those are all the staple foods here in Haiti and the food pack includes all of that. So it will feed a family for two to three weeks, sometimes four, depending on the size of the family. That's what we're fundraising for at the moment. And yeah, I mean, if you guys want to be a part of that, that'd be great. Anything we get will be a huge help for our community. You guys are awesome. Oh my gosh. I love you guys. And the formula program, which I do not want to graze over that at all. That's something that's been super huge on your heart. And for any mamas out there who have used formula or who have breastfed, whatever, like, you know how it is, you know, the struggles with that. And in Haiti, getting formula is not easy. I, I mean, can you explain what you guys are doing with formula? Absolutely, yes. We actually partnered with the local pediatrician almost two years ago. We asked her what she thought was one of the biggest needs for our community. And she expressed that a formula program for babies um, whose mothers passed away oh. during, or who could not afford it during the first um, six, six months to year of life. So uh, actually right around that time in December of 2018, yeah, my mom passed away, um, and so of cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. And we were wanting to do something that our entire life. So it, the two things just kind of clicked, and we had a moment where we were like, "Okay, we're going to invest in this." So we started a formula program for for babies whose mothers pass away in birth or in the first six months of life, and we provide these caregivers. Um, well, real quick, one of the reasons um, that babies get abandoned in Haiti is because they can't afford to feed them. Oh. Um, a, lot of baby, a lot of babies whose mothers pass away, they would have family members take them in a heartbeat um, and keep them and take care of them. It's just a part of this culture, and it's just what they do here right. um, to take care of each other. But if they feel like they're not going to afford, they're not going to be able to afford food or the baby is going to suffer, then they'll put them in an orphanage, hoping that the orphanage would be able to support them with food. And then the baby would grow up in an orphanage, which I think we all know is obviously not the best place for a child to, right. to grow up. When the baby is enrolled in the program, we give them free formula for the first year of their life. And then we switch them over to powdered milk for the second year of their life. Good. Um, and we provide it absolutely free. We also give them a monthly checkup with the local pediatrician for free every single month um, so that they can be weighed and we can make sure that they're gaining weight and, and are healthy. And then we also have a uh, 
pediatric nurse that we have hired personally that goes to their house every two weeks and does weigh-ins with the children, checks in with the caregivers, and just make sure that they're healthy. Oh my gosh, praise God. It's such a big deal. People who are listening, where can they follow you guys? Because Krista is like super easy to contact. She may be in Haiti, but she's super tangible. So how can we get in contact with you guys? Yeah, the um, my personal Facebook page, honestly, is where we post a lot of information and updates and that kind of thing. Krista Parada, P-A-R-A-D-A, Germay, G-E-R-M-E-I-L. And okay. we also have an Instagram page as well and the handle is the t-h-e underscore village v-i-l-a-g-j underscore ensemble a-n-s-a-n-m okay and we'll put a link to the instagram on the show notes of this podcast so people can just click it and go right to it village ensemble is creole so We'll, we'll put a yes. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Well, I love you guys so much and thank you so much for your time. And we always ask our guests if there has been any scripture that's been helping them through the season that they're in. So is there um, a verse or anything that you would like to share with us? Something that God has put in your heart to help you get through this season? Absolutely. Yeah. I think one that I have been really clinging to and reading over and over again is Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians two, verse four, five, and six, really just, just reading through that and and digesting it and thinking through it. It's a, it's a verse that we hear all the time, but I read it to myself um, during my morning devotions and just kind of sit there and let it sink in. And I think that God is just um, letting it go deeper and deeper into the roots of who I am, understanding more and more about the richness of God's love. So I'm going to read it to you guys real quick. If you just yes, want to, please uh, do. If you just want to listen to it, it says Ephesians chapter two, verse four, um, five, and let's see. I think I'll probably just read all the way through ten. Um, yes, it yeah. goes. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Yes. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, we have been saved through faith. And this is not our own doing. It is the gift of God. Yes. How has that um, resonated with you guys and your family in this season? I think with such extreme need here and just being faced with the needs every day, especially the sickness and the food crisis um, and hungry neighbors and all of those things. And and then our own, you know, our own personal struggles as human beings in our own family, I think um, just focusing on the, but God um, has been really big in our family here in ministry and that, you know, there is sickness outside and there's a food crisis and there is, problems and there is needs but god that's just the first two words of this verse um and then you you just kind of stop right there and you're like okay wait but god um you know and you can insert anything else that you want to after that that comes with the character of who god is um but god is faithful but god is rich in mercy but god is good but god is majesty but god is king there's so many attributes of god that you can insert right after that that kind of turns the situation around, at least the focus of it. Yes, I love that. Well, Christine Kane 
posted on her Instagram the other day. Christine Kane is a pastor, a women's pastor. She's a, she's a woman who is a pastor. She's not a women's pastor. She's a woman who is a pastor. But she says, you know, my faith is in Jesus. My hope is in Jesus. My trust is in Jesus. My joy is in Jesus. My peace is in Jesus. My healing is in Jesus. My deliverance is in Jesus. My redemption is in Jesus. My freedom is in Jesus. My assurance is in Jesus. My inheritance is in Jesus. It reminded me of what you were talking about. But God, but God, like everything we have is in him and we're nothing without him. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I can't imagine just the strength and endurance that you have and the joy that you carry within you. I know that's from God because there's so much stuff going on around it. I mean, there's just so much. So I would love for people who are listening to reach out to Krista and give her uh, a like on, or I mean, that sounds so strange, but like something just to show that we support her and we love her and we're with her family um, in this, uh, in this time through prayer. And, and this is hard. This is hard. I, I, I've heard a lot today that I did not know. So thank you so much, Krista, for your time. And we love you guys. Thank you so much. We love you guys too. Squeeze those babies for us. And we'll <laughs> do the same here. And hopefully we'll talk again soon. Yes. And we always pray in Jesus name that we decrease and God increases in our lives. lives. Amen. Amen. And we love you guys. Thank you so much. We love you guys too. Squeeze those babies for us. And we'll do the same here and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Yes. And we always pray in Jesus name that we decrease and God increases in our lives. lives. Amen. Amen. Wow, you guys, what a story this week. It was a privilege and an honor to hear Krista's story. Her and her husband, Mark, are doing great things down there, not only with their formula program, but also with these food packs. I do have some more information on the food packs. Krista says that it's through Jeremy Christian Mission under the category of food outreach. She didn't say it in the podcast, but she says that they're actually in the midst of a $1,500 matching grant being raised four food packs. She says that they've raised $1,000 and are $500 away from reaching their goal. You guys, the link is below. If you think this is something that you and your family would like to support, as she said, those $30 food packs are just, that's one food pack, $30 for one food pack. Okay. So they're $500 away from reaching their goal of $1,500. It's a matching grant being raised for food packs. Share this podcast with your friends if you think they would be interested in it. Let's get the word out. Let's do some good with this. This is a real need, as Krista said. Uh, families are not eating for multiple days down in Haiti because of the price of food being so high and the beans. So they're in the midst of a drought and they are lacking beans. So let's get together, you guys. Better together. You guys have a great week and we will talk to you next week. We were watching the movie Tigger and that's not the official name of it, but it was a movie about Tigger. And when he left, he would say TTFN. Ta-ta for now.